question for our next podcast. So today uh, we've got Mandy Tucky and Nikki Hutton who are repair champions and they're here to discuss the repair project and uh, what they're involved in. Um, so do you both want to introduce yourselves please? Yeah so hi I'm Nikki. I am a treatment delivery practitioner at Clasbridge Cancer Centre and in January of this year I was appointed by the SOR onto a six-month secondment as a repair champion to assess the implementation of the 15 repair recommendations alongside my lovely colleague Mandy. Uh, so yeah, hi, I'm Mandy and I'm a senior lecturer and um, also admissions tutor at the University of the West of England down in Bristol. And so as Nikki said, we were um, appointed as repair champions back in January 2021 and we actually started in post in, in March this year. Um, and say so it's been great working alongside Nikki and we've gelled uh, really well right from the start really even though we've actually never physically met each other. It's been great. <laughs> I suppose that's the virtual world we live in now, isn't it, with Absolutely. COVID? Yeah. I suppose, as you've already said before, you've had quite a busy day, both of you, haven't you? Um, and you had a couple of seminars, is that right? Yeah, so today we've, um, we're at the stage where, um, I mean, we're, we're going to we'll tell you a little bit about our project now, but we're just at the stage where we're just starting to try and disseminate some of our findings. So we ran two back-to-back -back webinars today, lunchtime webinars, just half hour a slot, um, where we just um, introduced repair to people who perhaps might not have heard about the, the repair project and also some of our preliminary data and findings and um, just gave our details really about um, how to get involved, how to keep in touch with us if anyone's got any um interesting ideas any any bits of um project work that they're doing that might fit into our work as well so yeah really good it was yeah busy day but really really <laughs> busy day but yeah so, so nikki do you want to just tell us what the repair project is yeah this might be where you want to stop us talking at some point because we're really passionate <laughs> so we could go on forever <laughs> it's kind of in two parts really so there's the original repair project that was established in 2015 by HEE. And then there's the, the kind of radiotherapy repair section. So if I do the sort of original bit and then Mandy might um, chip in with, with the bit that we've been doing. So, so repair actually stands for reducing pre-registration attrition and improving retention. So I think that's been half our battle so far is that people hear the word repair and think, nah, that's probably nothing to do with me. But actually when they realize what it is, then we hear people say, oh, actually I've been involved in this or you know, I've been doing that. So I think just getting the title out there was the main thing. Um, but originally it was just to address the, the significant attrition rates in students across multi-professions, so the four nursing fields, uh, midwifery and therapeutic radiography. And we were added in there because we were highlighted as sort of an at-risk profession. But now all of the other AHPs are on board as well because those results are kind of really um, transferable across all professions. So it kind of assesses the student journey over four stages from pre-registration through the duration of the course and then repair have this lovely term called the flaky bridge which is like the transition from third year student to newly qualified and then it goes right up to two years post-qualification so it's kind of really securing people within the profession and hopefully sustaining the workforce um, more. So the report came out with like 15 recommendations that ranged from finances to issues of placement allocation right through to the culture of care in departments and student support um, and student confidence levels really. So they, they did this report and then they gave a toolkit which kind of um, houses examples of good practice and things that people can kind of go in and pick up and then take back into their own practice. Um, so that's kind of a whistle stop tour of the, the original report <laughs> and I'll, I'll get Mandy to sort of uh, 
give you a bit of a description around what we've done with that uh, report now. Yeah, so um, what happened was, um, as, as Nikki Mark said there, there were like 15 recommendations um, to start kind of improve retention, and that was kind of system-wide. And since the development of the project, there's been a number of different people that have come into post as what they call HE uh, repair fellows. But their remit is to not only look at the implementation of that initial repair project, um, but also to look at um, how it's being um, implemented across all those professions. And so because of us being radiotherapy, quite a small and niche um, uh, profession, it was decided that actually it'd be really useful and beneficial for us because we know that we struggle with recruitment. We know we struggle with retention to actually have some specific project outcomes and aims that looked at how the repair project is actually being implemented um, within the radiotherapy profession specifically. So that's kind of where myself and Nikki came in. So early in 2021, um, SOR advertised um, two HAE funded posts. They were part time, so just two days a week each. Um, for two repair champions to really look at how is repair being implemented within um, radiotherapy. Um, this was just across, across England. Also to think about any areas of really good practice that was happening, any sort of opportunities, and also any real challenges um, and possible solutions to be able to kind of really support that implementation of kind of workforce growth and, and transformation really going forward. They also wanted us to be able to develop um, a resource that we could then make access and um, available to everybody that perhaps would be really interested and would be seeing recruitment and retention perhaps as part of their role as somewhere where they can go to actually be able to find some really good examples from different stakeholders, um, some really good case studies, and just as a, a support mechanism really to be able to kind of talk to other people and say, oh yeah, we're in the same situation. What have you done about this? How can we work together to be able to develop something and move something forward around recruitment and retention issues, whatever they may well be. The other thing that I think was really important is they really wanted a partnership working. And I think we see that a lot, don't we? And that lots of people are doing mm, loads yeah. of really yeah. good stuff, but there's never um, much joined up thinking going on some, uh, in some cases. So it was really important that we worked with other key stakeholders. And we know that the Society of Radiographers are really good at the minute in terms of thinking about having people in key strategic roles. So we've got Michelle Tyler, who's the uh, professional outreach mm and recruitment officer we've got Nicola Jameson who's the student um officer now as well and then we've also got Joe and Hazel who I think you you did a podcast <laughs> with a, a little while ago yeah, who are did. the Macmillan Therapeutic Radiography Fellows so we know there's people out there doing really good work and so part of the remit is to make sure that actually we collaborate and work work effectively with them um and then I guess the other thing really was um that we know obviously the original repair project came out pre pre-covid um, and so they really wanted to see what impact COVID had had um, on those implementation of the recommendations. Had it been, um, you know, has it been anything for the better or has it actually been really detrimental? Has it been really challenging in order to be able to implement some of these recommendations because of the impact of COVID? So our project is kind of looking at all of those, those different aspects. Um, which sounds a lot and we've discovered <laughs> it is a lot <laughs> and so what we've had to do we've had to kind of really be quite strict in terms of some of the areas that we're going to look at and that was kind of um, we, we, we found that out quite early on when um, we were invited to meet lots and lots of different people 
Um, so we were invited to meet the regional HEE uh, repair fellows. We were invited to come on to some of the operational development network meetings. Um, and it became apparent really on, early on that there's loads of people doing loads of good stuff and we had to be really mindful of that. Yeah. Sorry, see, right. I told you we could go on forever. <laughs> <laughs> As you said, it's, it's quite a lot that you've been getting into. So, do, do, am I right that you started in February this year, both of you? Yeah. Um, yeah. March. March yeah. in the end, isn't it? March. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> well, I suppose kind of going on to nicely into the next kind of question I have for you both is what's your experience has been since March? Uh, it sounds quite busy, as you've said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it has been. And I think it's been really interesting working two days a week. So, Mandy and I. Um, I work Wednesday, Thursday, Mandy works Thursday, Friday. But actually, I think that's worked really well because we tend to have a day on our own where we just knuckle down and get loads of work done. And our day together, we plan all our meetings in and then we sort of plan our tasks for the next week. Um, but it has, it's been really, really interesting. And I think what's made it even better is that Mandy comes from an academic background, I come from a clinical background, and we are at opposite ends of the country. <laughs> so, um, like, like Mandy said, although we've never met, it's just meant that we've like we just hit the ground running straight away because we had different contacts, we had different experiences. Um, and I think that's just really helped us kind of build a picture quite quickly about what's going on and what, you know, how we can kind of move things forward. But also we've had really, really amazing support from the SOR um, and real buy-in from the kind of education um, leads and the radiotherapy service managers. So that meant that kind of, you know, when we did our survey, we got really good responses and people are really on board with it. So I think it's made it, it's made it easier for us. Um, but it has, like Mandy said, has also meant that we have kind of, we collected loads and loads of data and now we're kind of dealing with all that. But that, that's got to be a positive thing. Even if we can't act on it all now, you know, we've got that data where we can kind of make recommendations going forward. Um, I think personally, it, you know, coming from a clinical background, this is very different. Um, but it's been really good because it's kind of given me an opportunity to be able to work at a more strategic level. You know, you can influence things in your own department and locally, but this has given us a real good opportunity to make, an, make a difference nationally around how we train our students. So I think for me, that's been like the most exciting bit of it, really. Yeah, so I suppose you're seeing the national change and we're all starting to work together, as you both said, which is quite nice to see. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I, I would totally agree with that, actually. This is... Um... This has been, I wouldn't say say out of my comfort zone, but just really different. And it's been yeah. um, really interesting to see how things work at that strategic level and how actually it's really important to know and understand that strategic level to understand how it's working either within the universities or out on uh, in, in clinical departments. Because actually that's where you need to make the influence. If you can influence that strategic level and think about actually this is what needs to happen with the evidence from the grassroots because actually you know it's really important that we know what's going on there we know how we treat uh, teach and, and treat and look after our students um, because that's going to impact on how they're going to be in terms of professional radiographers and I think if we're then able to feed that back through the chain and be able to make that difference then I think that'll be amazing and I think that's what's something that that um has been really interesting for me to discover actually is um, who is involved in lots of different areas around education and training mm. of, of healthcare students. It's, it's, yeah, it's been mind blowing in many ways really. <laughs> and I think just, just linking in with lots of different people has been brilliant and I, and I couldn't recommend it enough, especially if you're feeling a little bit, um, 
I guess I was feeling as though I almost had a little bit of imposter syndrome. Um, and so I needed to have that, that chance to be able to prove to myself really that actually I could get out there and do something different and, and make a difference. And so it's really given me a real confidence boost and being able to allow me to kind of um, have confidence in my ability that, yeah, you can do this and you, you've got some knowledge and skills that you can, you can bring to the table. Yeah, I think it's not. I think both of you, a bit of a dynamic duo, as you said, clinical and <laughs> academic coming together. That's quite nice, isn't it? Um, yeah. I suppose going slightly off piece, just a quick follow-up question to you both. I think you might have seen in the media that people said, you know, the fallout of COVID for people on jobs is everyone's going to want to change because they're bored of, I don't know, working from their shed or <laughs> working from home or whatever. Do you think so both of you have gone into a secondment kind of mid-pandemic would you something you'd recommend to other people to consider absolutely yeah i think like Lindsay said there's obviously you know there's so many personal benefits from doing it um but i think as well mid-career it gives you you know it gives you a taste of something different so you know we're working quite a lot with joe and hazel and you know a lot of our work is around kind of promoting the potential careers to people and i think it's good that we're kind of doing that ourselves you know I was you know very very comfortable in my clinical role I absolutely love my job and a bit like Mandy I think I kind of read the advert and I thought mm, don't know and I sat on it for a little while and then I had a chat with Spencer and then I thought actually yeah you know I quite fancy that and it really has been the best thing I've done it's you know I kind of a bit was a bit nervous and it, it seemed like a massive project in a really short space of time but it has been really really amazing it I think it has been the best thing I've done I think Mandy said that as well but yeah, yeah I, I would agree and I think actually if it wasn't for the pandemic I don't think I would have applied for the post mm. because I think pre-pandemic it would have been one of those where we perhaps would have had to have traveled a lot we would have had to have gone out and about and visited lots of different departments and I've got quite a young family and I know that that just wouldn't have been um, feasible for me to do just not from a practical perspective if, if nothing else so in a way the fact that we knew it was all going to be remote and we were going yeah. to have to use um you know online um platforms to be able to um undertake this project actually meant that actually i went for it whereas perhaps before i wouldn't have done um and i think that's been a real a real advantage for this project and, and in fact we we've received lots of feedback from um, various different people to say that they can't believe how much we've done in a short space of time mm -hmm. and i think it's because actually we just haven't had to do the travel because we can just do a full day's work we haven't had to factor in a two-hour journey to get to birmingham or wherever it might well be to to get a meeting together so um yeah. it's been a shame that we haven't physically met yet <laughs> but i have to say um i think you know the the upside of being in the pandemic is that actually we've really embraced the technology side of things to be able to get the project done and get the most out of the project but yeah. you will see us as soon as we can get out and about. We'll be every conference. <laughs> we'll be there. We'll just see cutouts of you in different departments, won't we? Yeah. <laughs> well, I suppose one of the bigger kind of bits you've been working on, I think there was a survey that you did. Um, so I'm quite excited to hear some of the results and findings of it. So I don't know if you want to start delving into that. Yeah, do you, do you want to start off or do you want me to? <laughs> you, you, yeah, you can. Uh, okay. I'll let you if you want to. You can. Um, so I think the first thing, and we did mention it before, was that the support we received was amazing. So in terms of, so we sent a survey out to all um, radiotherapy education providers and all healthcare providers. And we had 100% response rate from the unis. And we had, was it about 90, 80, 80, 80 90? Um, percent from the departments so we were really really impressed and it, it just showed us that people were you know were really keen to kind of 
um, explore more about what repair was really. Um, so we decided to focus on four areas. So the first one was, we kind of put it in an overarching theme. So we looked at um, retention, but within that, um, looking at year two support, at buddy schemes, and also um, the culture of care. So there is actually a tool you can use in departments to assess culture of care. Um, and then that transition into a newly qualified role. So we found loads of really good stuff, like 60 to 70% of HEIs have buddy schemes and um, lots of the, um, the regular therapy departments do as well. But I think Mandy and I were both looking for some kind of like light bulb, like someone will just say, yeah, this is our buddy scheme. Here it is on paper. This is how it happens. And we didn't really find that. What we found was what was there was really informal and just kind of happened. Um, and what might have been going on in a HEI, so they might set up a buddy scheme, whereas, you know, year one students support year three. But that then doesn't work when they go to kind of placement because they go at different times or they go to different yeah. departments. So... I think what we're hoping to do from that sort of first pointer is to create almost like um, a sort of toolkit around student support generally, because repair has a huge focus on year two support. And we haven't really found, you know, we've surveyed students as well. And when we ask them at what stage they think people are most likely to leave the course, they don't say year two, they generally say year one. So we feel like actually maybe it's about getting that support in place early from the beginning and then when they go into year two which is quite often deemed the harder year they've got that support there and then they are less likely to leave the program so that was kind of our retention theme um, we've then got um our second theme is around recruitment so preparing people for um study on the course this is where we're working with joe and hazel so we're looking at creating a package you know, there's so many resources, there's the 